0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives.
1: I'm gonna share uh, with you a case of a CTEF patient, and um, I I think it will generate a lot of good discussions. Um, This is a 21-year-old female who doesn't have a history of significant comorbidities who presented to the emergency department with worsening dyspnea and hemoptysis. And when you go into her past medical history, the only thing that uh, we could get out of uh, her was that two years before uh, being presented to the emergency department, she was told she had a pneumonia after which she was treated with antibiotics but had persistent dyspnea since then, which has been progressing over time. Uh, her previous workup was uh, unremarkable, and the exertional dyspnea was attributed eventually to anxiety. There's no uh, personal, fam- uh, personal or family history of venous thromboembolic events, and when in the emergency department, she has a CT angiogram concerning for pulmonary embolisms and an echocardiogram consistent with severe pulmonary hypertension. So I'll show you some of the uh, tomography results. You'll see first that the pulmonary artery, the main pulmonary artery is is dilated, and you'll see some severe kind of narrowing of the the left pulmonary artery um, very very proximally. Uh, You see some degree of airspace disease as well. Um, When you look at the vasculature of the lung, you see that the right seems a little bit more hypervascular, and there's really no vessels that we can see. There's no contrast being seen on the left lung. Um, when we look at the right pulmonary artery, um, kind of in the mid-segment right away, there's a severe stenosis again. Um, and when we look at the um, coronal cuts, you'll see that there's a lot of um, uh, collaterals around the pulmonary artery. So um, the that's a little bit more of the, the the findings. Um, I'll show you the lung windows. Um, we can see here on the left that the left lung is very hypovascular compared to to the right one. And uh, on the right picture, you'll see that the the right the, sorry the left lower lobe has an area of parenchymal density that we we attributed to a, probably a pulmonary infarct. Uh, these are the echocardiographic findings. Uh, the personal, um Long axis view, the, the patient is tachycardic. You'll see that the right ventricle is severely dilated. In the short axis view, you see that uh, interventricular septum uh, being flat in diastole and, uh, and in systole as well. The left ventricle is very small compared to, to the right. You'll see that uh, presence of RVOT Doppler notching and short acceleration time. You'll also see the uh, the right ventricle in the four-chamber views being very dilated and dysfunctional. Um, The TR peak velocity is estimated as being severely um, elevated, and the uh, inferior vena cava is dilated and and non-distended. So consistent with severe pulmonary hypertension, I think that we can agree that there's many findings that makes us think that this is precapillary. we, after discussion, we, we, we have a, a high suspicion that this is not an acute pulmonary embolism, but rather that this has been present for some time. We order a VQ scan, and just to show you that the, the, left, uh, ven- the left lung has a decreased ventilation, especially in the left lower lobe, in that area that we saw parenchymal abnormalities, but there is a very significant decrease in perfusion on the left lung compared to the right. Um, and, uh, and I want you to kind of remember this picture because the, the right lung appears quite abnormal, but uh, it may not be the case. Um, we proceed f- to further evaluation of CTEF. We do this pulmonary angiogram. This is the right lung in the frontal view. You see in the mid-segment, this severe stenosis that we saw on the, um, on the CT angiogram. And also we see decreased perfusion throughout the entire left lung. Um, And in the uh, oblique view, um, we see that severe narrowing, but also uh, more severe distal narrowing uh, as well. This is the left lung, Um, just to give you, this is the main pulmonary artery, it's just this segment right here. It's severely obstructed, there's actually no perfusion whatsoever to the left lower lobe, Um, and and this is the oblique view that that shows that there's severe stenosis and also um, total occlusions. These are the hemodynamics. The right atrial pressure is 16, and that's uh, severely elevated. Uh, the right ventricular pressure is 110 over 11 with an EDP of 20. The pulmonary artery pressure is 111 over 47 with a mean of 71. The wedge was normal at 12. The cardiac output was two, and the cardiac index was uh, 1.3. And the pulmonary vascular resistance was 30, and I have to say that's not the highest that I've seen. So, um, we, we discussed the, the, the case in our uh, multidisciplinary meeting. Um, we agree that something doesn't completely fit the picture, and, um, and we tried to look for those zebra diagnosis. Our radiologists go through the CT pulmonary angiogram, and, and they say, this is, you know, there's nothing else going on. Um, this is CTEF, um, and we decided to take the patient for a pulmonary endocerectomy. Uh, John reviewed the images and they says, "You know, this is pretty proximal disease. I'm going to be able to, to, to take, um, to, to make this patient feel better because I'm going to reach out and remove a lot of clot. But once uh, John gets into the pulmonary arteries, there is no clot. And what he finds is that there's multiple stenosis and occlusions that are noted uh, that appears to be a constriction phenomenon." Rather than intravascular obstruction, and there's a fibrotic appearance to the arteries. What you can see there is my reaction when I when when I heard what what happened, um, and uh, this is probably how, how John felt, uh, more like Captain Sully uh, taking control of the of the aircraft without without engines. And uh, what John did was taking samples, um, and uh, the the patient um, was transferred to to the post. Um, to the CVC-ICU, actually did pretty well um, concerning, uh, based on our concerns that um, because John was not able to remove clot, the pulmonary vascular resistance basically remained unchanged, and the possibility of an acute RV failure uh, that may be um, very, very severe, um, uh, that didn't happen. The patient went to the floor on day four, um, we consulted basically every single specialty in the hospital, um, and uh, we had a CT of the neck, chest, abdomen, and pelvis with contrast, um, and we looked at every single other major artery, and we did not find any other evidence of stenosis. So the biopsy results come back, and it shows a granulomatous vasculitis consistent with isolated pulmonary artery Takayasu Arteritis. Um, the patient is given high dose steroids and infliximab in the hospital. Then he transitions transition to oral steroids and methotrexate as an outpatient. And um, and this is the diagnosis: isolated Takayasu arteritis of the pulmonary arteries. So for for those who, who, who of you who are not that familiar, Takayasu arteritis is a large vessel vas- vasculitis, which disproportionately affects young women uh, in their second or third. Uh, decades of life and more um, predominantly in the Asian population. There is no gold standard test to diagnose Takayasu Arteritis. The clinical assessment and labs correlate poorly with disease activity. The pulmonary artery involvement is actually somewhat common uh, in Takayasu Arteritis and occurs somewhere between 20 to 56 percent of the patients. But isolated Takayasu of the pulmonary arteries is extremely, extremely rare. Um, immunosuppression in general is the mainstream of uh, treatment for Takayasu Arteritis. And pulmonary angioplasty has been described in a small in small series to improve hemodynamics, functional class, but at the consequences of, of a very high rate uh, of complications that's been described above 30%. Uh, the clinical course, uh, we repeated a right heart catheterization and pulmonary angiogram after four months of immunosuppression. The truth is that the hemodynamics didn't significantly change. Uh, the pulmonary anatomy did not significantly change. Uh, we proceed with optimization of the hemodynamics. We started to dial a field and macetentin. The patient significantly improving uh, in symptoms and RV function. functioned. The right ventricle is still mildly dysfunctional. Um, and we're planning to start parenteral process um, We've been discussing with multiple colleagues around the, the globe. And the truth is that there's there's really no consensus on how to to treat this. Uh, and we are considering uh, in the very early phases to um, do balloon pulmonary angioplasty once the hemodynamics are, are optimized. Um, just wanna bring up a few differential diagnosis when you're thinking about CTEF cases. Um, C, uh, CTEF, when we talk about it, we're presuming that the obstruction is related to blood clot, organized uh, thrombi. But there's a lot of other medical conditions out there that can cause uh, vascular obstruction of the pulmonary arteries. Uh, I'll have you think about pulmonary artery sarcoma, especially when the disease is very unilateral. Um, And I will um, say that one of the, the tests that is more helpful in in this condition is getting an MRI of the pulmonary arteries that would show that that lesion is uh, vascularized. uh, And it has significant enhancement compared to a chronic clot that should not be significantly vascularized. Um, We we had a patient also who we diagnosed with a pulmonary artery angiosarcoma uh, after having a negative PET scan. And there are intimal sarcomas that tend not to light up on a a PET scan. so um, a cardiac MRI is, is, a, is a very help, helpful test. The other thing that will make you think about is atrial septal defects uh, or uh, any conditions that it can increase uh, right of flow that can dilate the pulmonary arteries and can create that inside of thrombus. Um, in these patients, of course, you don't want to take them to, to have a pulmonary endoderectomy right away because the, the problem is not a pulmonary vascular disease, not a mechanical obstruction. It's rather that extra... Um, flow through the through the ASD, and with that I'll go to the conclusions. CTEF is a complex medical condition characterized by chronic emboli causing mechanical obstruction to the pulmonary blood flow. Thrombus characterization is really difficult clinically. Uh, not every pulmonary vac- vascular obstruction is thrombus, so keep an open mind. Takayasu arteries uh, can affect the pulmonary arteries. Systemic arteries are usually involved. Uh, isolated. Kakayasu uh, arteritis of the pulmonary arteries is very rare. And uh, truly, this is a multidisciplinary approach um, where we need uh, all our colleagues to be involved and in, in chime in and, and help us diagnose this patient and treat this patient, so
2: thank you. Really great case. You made me feel a lot better about myself because one of the worst clinical experiences i've had in the last five years was being called into the operating room when our surgeon said hey there's no clot in this this lady's lung ended up being vasculitis but i think you know the that was really a great case and i love the cartoon that's exactly how you feel when that kind of thing happens but the imaging was so striking when you put that up there the degree of stricture and it was into the lower lobes, right? I mean, it was, it was, you make you think CTEF, but without seeing the intramural thrombus or the webbing, it was just such prominent strictures, you know? It's, um, you would be a unique CTEF case um, had it been CTEF, but it's, that was really striking. I thought that was a really interesting case. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it is. This is my patient, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I remember the day that Jonathan called me when he operated. Like, <laughs> I mean, both of our stomachs sunk.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and and, you know in reality if you don't do this once in a while you're not doing enough enough endarterectomies it's you know it's just like an appy and and the goal is you hope everyone learns and i think about what i might have done differently in her case and you know maybe i'll be more attuned to it if this happens again very rare if this happens again and you know i don't know if mri would be useful or if we would get inflammatory markers or that sort of stuff Um, It was very interesting because it's unusual to have it isolated to the pulmonary vasculature like no other artery was involved. But on the other hand, that's really good for her because while she's gotten a little better on oral therapy, like generally these these patients don't respond long-term to pulmonary vasodilators. And probably if she were to get worse, like she would still be a lung transplant candidate because it doesn't involve any other vessel. So it's, you know, that's like the one you know, glass half full type of thing for her.
2: Yeah, I agree. The, um, you know, those mimics that you look at that we struggle with in that multidisciplinary meeting that we all have looking at those um, can be really hard. And you're right. Ultimately, in our case, looking back in retrospect, right, we came back and said our, our patient's lesions were predominantly bilateral upper lobe. Like she had no perfusion to the bilateral upper lobes, maybe a little bit of changes in the bases. And we went back and forth about like, well, that's odd for CTEF to have upper lobe, only upper lobe disease and not lower lobe disease, hemorrhoid, and ultimately we came to, said, we have got to give her a chance. We think this is, we can't rule it out. The other big mimic that we struggle with is the fibrosing mediastinitis patients, where they come in and you're like those um Findings are they intravascular clot? Are they compression? It can be really challenging sometimes. And you know, not only within the institution, sort of all the groups coming together, but like you said, reaching out to colleagues and saying, "What do you really think of this?" Before you take the patient to the operating room, is important.
0: You've been listening to CME on ReachMD.